When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Mackie and Judd, but it's Collar and Myers. Oh, you said fever? Because the takes are going to be turned up to hot. Really hot? Very hot. All Dave. right, let's, let's let Big Voice Guy do it. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Here's a fake and a throw toward the sideline. And this could be very dangerous for NIU. Uh, dangerous is a nice way to put it. Uh, that wasn't the smartest call I've ever seen in my life. So uh, yesterday, Matthew Collar and Jess Myers here in, uh, in for Mackie and Judd. Yesterday, Doogie was in, and I was telling Doogie that I will watch any college football bowl that is on my TV. If ESPN has it, I'll watch it. Because it's on TV. Because right? it's football and because it's on TV and because something hilarious will happen in every single bowl game that you watch. And yesterday, NIU tried a fake punt where they had the Northern punter. Illinois, by the way, yeah, for those of yeah, you yeah. who are maybe bowl game deficient. Like okay, me, yeah. Anyway. North, Northern Illinois, go Huskies. They decided to throw a fake punt pass from their own end zone. And the throw was like... I made it. They and didn't the, recruit this punter because of his arm, is what you're saying? They turned the ball over. Duke <laughs> scores immediately, goes on to win something like 30 to 14. I can't but, wrap my head around Duke as a football power, but go ahead. That moment alone was worth me watching that bowl game. And the fact that we're starting with it today kind of tells you where we're at with uh, sports at this moment, where we're <laughs> sitting like looking at the watch, just sort of waiting for the Vikings to be in the playoffs. Wild get going tonight. Um, do you watch... The bowl games, or are you just enthralled with the uh, World Junior uh, Championships here? If a bowl game is on, I will watch it. I'm like you, just because it's entertainment. It's football. There, and you're right. There's always something interesting about them. I mean, the sponsorship names are always hilarious. I, I think mm. you know, and I, I, I long for the days of the pool and weed eater Independence Bowl. That was <laughs> probably my favorite, right up there with the GalleryFurniture.com Bowl. And I think that one's gone away. That was, but, but I love too that now we have, like second and third string bowls in good cities you know so new orleans has like the sugar bowl which is the big game but then right. they also have like the new orleans bowl which i believe the only requirement to get into the new orleans bowl is you your school has to have a hyphen in its name at some <laughs> point um but yeah that's that's kind of bowl season for me uh the big story that has come out of bowl season is josh rosen decided not to play last night and rosen is the likely number one overall quarterback now, I've got two Josh Rosen thoughts. Number one is he decided not to play 
Just skip the bowl game altogether. He did have a concussion at the end of the season, so I can understand why he would not want to risk his future at all. But a lot of guys have been doing this the last couple of years. I think Christian McCaffrey skipped his bowl game for Stanford. And I'm wondering how people feel about that because, I mean, I'm not a hardcore college football guy. I watch all Saturday, but I'm usually working on stuff for Sunday for the Vikings. So I only kind of half pay attention. And then around draft season, I start to research who the guys that will be drafted are. But, you know, I'm not a hardcore college football person who would care that much if the starting quarterback for UCLA is in or not. But it does rob the fans of seeing the guy who's going to be the number one overall quarterback. And if you're ESPN, you've got to be really unhappy with it. We thought that everyone was going to tune in to see this quarterback, and now they're not because he's not playing. Are you okay with the guys who skip their bowl games because they know they're going to be first-round draft picks? I'm not really okay with it for the simple fact that, okay, I know the NCAA in, in football in general and in basketball especially are a scam. You're, you you are getting paid to go <laughs> yes. to college. You really are. You're getting free tuition. You're getting free books. You're getting food. You're getting stuff that a lot of people have to pay for. So you are receiving payment in kind to go to college. You have one job, which is, well, you have two. You have, you're supposed to go to class and student athlete. They always put student first. But, you know, you're supposed to be on the football field. You're supposed to be helping the team win. You're supposed to be bringing in revenue for the school via selling tickets, all of that for the for the football program. If you just refuse to do your job, what are you getting paid for? You're, you're there to, you know, maybe get an education and do some of that stuff. Now, the flip side is, why are you going to college? You're going to college to get a job. You don't go to college just for the sake of going to college. I, I had a few friends who did, but <laughs> yeah, you're going to college did. to get a job. Your job, if you're this, you know, if you're Josh, you're going to play in the NFL. Ideally, not for the Browns, but, you know, this is your idea is you want to get a job. So if sitting out this game is going to help you get a better job and help you be successful in your ultimate career, I guess I can see the point, as, as painful as that is. Well, I look at it as a scam slash fraud from the other viewpoint that the NCAA makes so much money and shares none of it almost with the people uh, that are doing all the dirty work down on the field, and especially the star-level players. And it's not so much that I want them to make a million dollars to go play for UCLA, but I don't want you to be able to sell number three Josh Rosen jerseys that don't say his name, but everybody knows that's a Josh Rosen jersey, and then make a million dollars and not give any of that money to Josh Rosen. I don't want you to have a commercial where you can put him in it and use his highlights and his face and his likeness and then say, yeah, you don't get any of that. Sorry. <laughs> we're just, we're using you and your face and your talent and not sharing that with you at all whatsoever. And then these bowl games talk about the NCAA just being organized. You mean crime. these charitable organizations? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh that, yeah. Right. That, that, yes. You know, they don't, don't pay taxes. taxes and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have chief officers of the bowl games. They have chair members of the bowl games. They have all these people, presidents of the bowl games, who make a lot of money off of them from all the ticket sales and everything else. And again, they don't share a bit of that with Josh Rosen. And I'm not really sure what exactly those people do. 
I mean, what does the president talk, of talk a about bowl career game. goals? I yeah. want to be a bull rep. <laughs> right. I want to be that guy who right. sits in the press box with a with a jacket on and like a lapel pin with the name of a bull on it, and just sits and watches the Gophers a couple games a year and says, eh, "I'm not sure." And you can present them with whatever trophy. I'm the president of the thing. I don't know how I got this job, and they pay me a million dollars and zero to Josh Rosen. So if I'm him, I'm saying. I am not in any way, shape, or form risking my health long-term when I'm set up to become a very rich man to go play for whatever team in the NFL for all of you people who are just making money off of me, basically. I understand that. I guess I, I, well, I do, because again, it's career training, and your career is going to be as a professional football player. If you're going to jeopardize your career by playing in a game, especially, like you say, when you've had a concussion, and that's a serious thing we all know about uh, the effect of those, I guess I'm okay with it. it. It would frustrate the heck out of me if I was a if I was a fan mm-hmm. of that particular team. Yeah, but it makes sense the more you think about it. My other Josh Rosen question for you, Jess, is um, should he tell the Browns no? I mean, the Browns have the number one overall draft pick. They've clinched that. They're all set. And Josh Rosen seems like the perfect type of player to rebuild their franchise. Although maybe Tim Couch seemed like that once upon a time. But, I mean, he's got everything. He's got an arm. He's accurate. He's extremely smart. He's got a little bit of Aaron Rodgers to him where he can be a little bit aloof or pompous, come across wrong at times. Uh, but he's an extremely smart guy. He's, he seems like everything that you want in a franchise quarterback. And the Browns, for years and years and years, have just bounced through these hilariously bad quarterbacks. They And they've drafted some of them. They've had high draft picks, but still drafted them as the third or fourth quarterback to come out, which is just, as we know from Christian Ponder, that you're just asking to fail when you draft a quarterback 23rd or 24th overall or something like that. Uh, that I mean, The odds are not very good. So now they've got number one pick, perfect guy to rebuild around. But if you're him... Do you look at them firing their GM and the last 20 years of Browns football? Are we at 20 yet? Almost 20 since they came back and say, you know what? I'd rather play for almost anybody else. And who's Dave? Do you know who's going to have the number two pick? Is that set? Is it the Giants? Uh, I don't know if that's set. I can let me double check. I know Josh has said he would prefer to play for the Giants. So I would Same. think. Uh, that they're in a position, and even think about it, New York City, I mean, you know, all of that that goes along with it. You know, I'm not ripping Cleveland as a town, but, you know, it's got a reputation as a Rust Belt community. You add in the fact that the Browns have struggled so mightily uh, since, I think it was 99 when they came back. Here's my take on it. Yeah, I can see him telling Cleveland, I don't want to play there. Um, And going all the way back to John Elway in 83, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a case of a star quarterback saying, I don't want to play in this community. I, you know, I'm not going to play here. Find a way for me to play someplace else. John Elway was ripped mercilessly at the time because it was Baltimore. You know, Baltimore had the top pick. Right. The Baltimore Colts, by the way, before they moved to Indianapolis, they were they were the Cleveland of their era. And he said, I don't want to play there. They found a way, got him to Denver. He winds up winning a couple Super Bowls there. But the way the NFL system is set up, you kind of have to go where you're drafted. You know, and everybody says the right things about I'm excited to be a insert nickname here Mm -hmm. but i can see his point giants are the number two pick right now two and 13 colts three and 12 at number three so i don't know if that can switch if you get a win from the giants or not it would be quite a coincidence if it happened for a second time with the new york giants because eli manning did the same exact thing more or less where he said i'm just not gonna play for the san diego chargers because they're a disaster send me to new york 
and it, it kind of worked out for both. I mean, Phillip Rivers, the, the Chargers have had a really good run with him. Uh, not a Super Bowl, but Eli Manning ends up winning the two Super Bowls. With the Browns, everything points to the Browns should be eventually awesome. It's just great facilities, great fan base, new stadium, tons of draft picks, all of those things. I I mean, I thought that they had a a pretty good draft this last time around, at least when they did the draft, it looked like, boy, they got a lot of talent. They've got tons of picks stacked up. They made an entire Kevin Costner movie about the (laughs) Cleveland Browns draft and how shrewd they are. And yet, yeah, it turns out that was fiction. So I was thinking about, right. I was thinking about, uh, Something that we talked about before this NFL season. Would you rather be the Vikings or the Browns? Would you rather have a team that is just completely empty with the cupboard, but you have all the draft picks to rebuild it and you're in line for the number one overall draft pick, which they've come through beautifully with? <laughs> I mean, they haven't done anything to they, screw that up. They have like, not messed like that up. Like win a game. All. You know, they really followed the Jimmy Clausen sort of way of going about this. They took a quarterback in the second round who couldn't possibly be ready for it and threw him in there to end up with the number one pick the next year. That's ex- exactly what Carolina did to get Cam Newton. And Carolina, under Cam Newton, appearance in a Super Bowl, in the playoffs regularly. Yogurt like, commercials? Oh, yo- wait, he doesn't do those uh, no, anymore. Not anymore. There's trouble. Uh, but. It's a it's a tried and true model that through all of this, the Browns have only really picked the top quarterback the one time with Tim Couch, and the rest of the time they've either tried to pick one later or just tried to patch it with like Seneca Wallace or Kelly Holcomb or somebody like that. There was a kid out of Texas A&M that they were pretty hyped about that they got in the later rounds. I don't think it worked out the way they planned, but... Uh... I will go to my grave thinking that Johnny Manziel should have been a good quarterback. I think he should have okay, been. Okay, now this is a the, whole other topic. The cocaine though. was the problem. <laughs> this is a whole other topic because I think all of us have that one guy that we really thought was going to make it in Canada. For me, it's Joey Harrington. I thought oh, this yeah. guy was going to be a star. The uh-huh. first time I saw him for the Lions, when he was a rookie playing at the Metrodome, you know, he threw a late interception. Vikings wind up winning the game, but I'm interviewing him afterwards thinking, this guy is going to be for real. I mean, he had mm. all the tools. He had the look. He had the swagger. And then they made him a Lion, and it just went south from there and you ain't lying about that oh boy oh wow. okay wow. so I, we were working on some uh serve that up under we were working sure. on some puns for later for a, <laughs> a truck that turned over on the highway uh jess myers matthew collar in for mackie and judd we've got a lot coming up a lot of football a lot of vikings uh espn's courtney cronin my co-host on the purple podcast will be with us at 9 30 sam monson for pro football focus at 10 15 we're also going to have mike golick jr from espn john krasinski is going to talk some wolves we're also because jess is a hockey guy We're going to talk a little bit about the Wild. They are in action tonight and whether Chuck Fletcher has to make a big move to save his bacon because uh, the Wild are not in a great spot as they uh, take the turn into 2018. But uh, something struck me the other day on Twitter, Jess. A response from a Purple Podcast listener really took me aback. And being a Minnesotan yourself for much longer than me, I want you to explain the Viking fan mentality to me about going into the playoffs. That's when we come back here. Uh, Jess and Matt in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. On 1500 ESPN. Enough to win, so, you know, that's all that matters in this league. Uh, You know, all phases, uh, you know, played well off, off one another. 
That's uh, Harrison Smith of the 12-3 and three Minnesota Vikings. Matthew Collar, Jess Myers in for Mackie and Judd, along with Dave Harrigan. ESPN's Courtney Cronin will join us uh, in a few minutes here. Um, real quick, before I throw this out to you uh, about the fan mentality. So anytime you hear someone say, oh, you know, the media, they just like the guys who talk to them. Harrison Smith is one of the quietest guys that I've ever covered. He's got nothing for you. And we have talked so much about how he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl. And he played, I went back and watched the tape of the uh, Vikings Packers last night. That I've never seen a safety play better. I mean, I've seen safeties play as good, but not better. All he needed was to take the interception to the house. I mean, he was blowing up screen passes. He was blowing up run plays. And then he gets the pick at the goal line. To not have him in the Pro Bowl is hysterical. And also the idea that we just hype up players that talk to the media. Also, not true. Because as you heard from Harrison there, he's about as quiet as it comes. People uh, people generally talk to guys they like. You know, you find that go-to guy. But certain guys you have to talk to. I mean, even if they don't give you much. I cover the wild a lot. There's a scrum around Miko Koivu after every game because mm-hmm. he's the captain. And I always look at those people crowding around and say, you're going to be sorry because, he, <laughs> yeah. you know, great guy. He just doesn't give you much. But, yeah, you're absolutely right in that. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Harrison Smith, uh, Defensive Player of the Week in the NFL, just mm-hmm. named uh, this morning, I believe. And, uh, you know, the Pro Bowl snub, I kind of look at it one of those deals where obviously he's a bubble guy for whatever reason. It doesn't make sense to me, but the the folks who choose these things, he is He'll get in because there's always, you know, if the Vikings aren't in the Super Bowl, he'll get in because there are always guys who decline to go or mm-hmm. injuries or or things like that. I, I would expect that he will be playing in the Pro Bowl eventually. But, you know, good fodder, good stuff to talk about yeah. that. You know, how do you miss this guy? And of course, he uh, decides to have the best game rated by Pro Football Focus all year against the Packers <laughs> just after the uh, Pro Bowl snub. You so, watched the tape, by the way. Have the have the Packers scored yet? They uh, nope, nope. Okay, still, still scored. nothing. Huh? No, nope, right. no. Brett Hundley is still running around, but he has not thrown the ball yet. Doesn't have that downfield um, accuracy that we were, you know, looking for. Maybe but, if there yeah. was only a quarterback who was a free agent that could have made them a relevant playoff team. Hmm. Yeah, good yeah. choice. A lot of teams hurt themselves by I not will signing say, Colin Kaepernick. I will say way. in Hungley's defense, his receivers didn't do him a lot of favors. There were a lot oh, of no. balls that he yeah. had where folks could catch him, and uh, they chose not to there, for whatever reason. There was reason. one where the guy didn't even stick his arms out. Yeah, it was like the ball just whizzed right by him. Like, were you concussed? Like, were you looking for the football as a wide receiver? What were you doing? Uh, but I was thinking about that on um, Christmas Day with the Texans playing. Like, that's a good team, but you're playing Taylor Heineke and. TJ Yates, and if only there had been a quarterback. If teams weren't uh, biting off their nose to spite their face, the uh, maybe the playoff races would have been a little more interesting. Uh, but anyway, I, I got this tweet the other day so from a listener of the Purple Podcast who said, you know, you and uh, Courtney Cronin, who's coming up, she's on, on the Purple Podcast as well. You guys, you're just, you're, you're too cheery on the podcast. You're too positive. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever been accused of that consider myself a fairly cynical person overall. Um, And, you know, I've also gotten a lot of tweets this year. You hate Case Keenum and things like that. Like, all right, okay, Uh, you know. Uh, But I I don't think I've ever been accused of being too cheery on the podcast. And I said, all right, you're going to have to explain that. I mean, the team is 12-3, and so, yeah, usually we're going to talk about a lot of good things. And the response that came back was, well, all of us Vikings fans are sitting here waiting for something to blow up in our face, so you need to stop it because you're 
jinxing it or you're setting us up to just be really disappointed. Can you explain this mentality? Is that common or is this person just kind of crazy? Let's wind the clock back. 19 years? 1998? You know, you've heard a lot about 1988 covering the Vikings. Vikings were 15-1 and that year. This was the year it finally all made sense. You know, after watching the Bears and the Packers and all these other teams that locals love to hate win Super Bowls, it was like, okay, this is our turn finally. This is Vikings fans talking. You know, they're 15-1. and Everything is breaking right. They've got Randy Moss. They've got a kicker who literally cannot miss. <laughs> they, they pulled Randall Cunningham out of nowhere, and every pass he throws, every prayer he throws up is getting caught for a touchdown. It all came together that year and it was like okay this is this is finally it this is finally our turn and the twin cities were awash in purple like i have never seen before and have never seen since i mean car flags everywhere and the ids tower was lit up in purple lights with you know the vikings logo it was amazing and then of course legendarily one missed field goal and you know a, a game that they should have won at home against atlanta it all comes crashing down and walking out of that game, it was like, oh, yeah, now I remember. This is who we are. Now, here's what's stunning to think about. That game, 1998, excuse me, 99, early 99, that loss to Atlanta, that was three or four gut-punch losses ago. I mean, that's not right. even the most recent time that this team has sucked you in and said, yep, this is for real, this is going to happen, and then kicked you to the curb again, kicked you in the gut. If you're a Vikings fan who lives and dies by this team, I can think of you know the season-ending loss in Arizona in about 03, when literally on the last play of the season, all they need to do is beat the brutal Cardinals at Sun Devil Stadium in a game where it's literally like 60% Vikings fans because the Cardinals were terrible and playing in an old college stadium. And, you know, last-second prayer to Nate Poole, Keeps them out Was of the it, playoffs. Uh, Josh McCown? Josh McCown. Who's still playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's one gut punch. You have 09. We all know about 09, about, you know, Brett Favre's going to lead them to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. The ultimate kick in the teeth to, to Packer fans. You know, hey, we, we you know, this is like being shot with your own gun. And, you know, <laughs> there's... There's, a, you know, an interception there that, that breaks everyone's hearts. There's the missed kick by Blair Walsh, was that, three years ago in the in the freezing cold. I tweeted after that game. I said, if you're a Vikings fan and you're surprised by what happened, you are not a Vikings fan because everyone in the world could see that coming. So this is the mentality is, is the true Vikings fans out there love this team, but they know somehow they're going to get their hearts broken, and that's what they're waiting for. If you want to jump on and explain this mentality to me, 651-646-8255. Now, here's here's my counter to this, to this why you shouldn't think that way, is I watched the Boston Red Sox win yep. the World Series. I watched the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Yep. I watched Cleveland get a championship. After all of those things have happened, you have to think that eventually your day is going to come if you continue to have really good teams. And why wouldn't it be the year that you're about to be 13 and three? Was it 10 years ago or so that the uh, Cardinals and Steelers played in the Super Bowl? It turned out to be a great game. Yeah. You know, Steelers win it on a, on a last second, you know, unbelievable catch by Santonio Holmes. I remember before that game, I kind of liked the Arizona Cardinals. My mm-hmm. dad spends his winters in Arizona. I've I've kind of grown to like this team a little bit. I said before that game, I'm kind of rooting for the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, but if they win, 
I may be breaking up with football forever because it's just not fair that this lousy, stinking <laughs> Cardinals franchise that you know couldn't get anything done forever is all of a sudden going to get a Super Bowl win before the Vikings do. It's just it's just not right. And even New Orleans would have an argument for that too. I sure, mean, New Orleans, the Buccaneers. Was, I mean, look yeah. at all these teams that were terrible for the '70s and '80s and all of that, and somehow each of them have a trophy in the trophy case. And the Vikings are kind of like the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs won it way back in the day, uh, but they it, beat the Vikings. But, by the way, but, thanks for bringing that right. up. Still painful. It was only 1970, but but, but they've been good all the time, really throughout almost every era. Where right. it, when I was growing up, the Chiefs were a good team, and Joe Montana joined them, and then they had like Elvis Gerback had a 13 and, and three year, and went 0 and 1 in the playoffs. And, and yeah, San Diego is the same way. Where they've they were good when I was growing up. They made a Super Bowl, and then they were good again when they got Philip Rivers, and that's where the Vikings kind of sit too, where they just have had good teams over and over and over. And you would just figure that eventually you would get one by just having everybody be healthy. Yeah, or just whatever by accident. You, yeah. you somehow, yeah. And somehow they found a way. So I understand that, but I also think that Case Keenum and whether he throws a last-second interception for a pick six this year is not impacted in any way by Blair Walsh being right. a shankopotamus. Right. Like, it just, it, it doesn't matter. Like, that doesn't, one doesn't affect the other. The history doesn't mean anything to what this team is going to do. Let's uh, go to Jim here. Uh, what's up, Jim? Yeah, I was just going to say the worst disappointment was Super Bowl IV, uh, 1970. I mean, we, during the season, we put up 350 burgers on teams. And we were like, I think, 18-point favorites going into that game. You might want to check the points, but it was my 14th birthday, and I still suffer over that one. <laughs> This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Jim, I appreciate the call. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Um, and thank you, Jim, for, for sharing those painful memories. I'm sure he's, his analyst has heard him on a couch before at some point, too. But, yeah, this is this is what I'm saying. That was 1970, I think. You know, this was uh, Tulane Stadium against the Chiefs. You know, Len Dawson and, and you know, Hank Stram, coach of the Chiefs. And, you know, the, this is when the NFL was supposedly co- clearly superior over the AFL, and yet— you find a way to lose that game. I mean, this this is the one the stat that stuns me. Vikings have played in four Super Bowls. That's a total of you know what what's the math? That's sixteen quarters of football. They have never scored a first half point. Oh wow! They have gone into halftime in four Super Bowls with zero points on the board. I mean, it's just it's just stunning that this is a team that somehow finds a way, and it's painful. I mean, you know, you talk about the Buccaneers or, you know, some of these teams that have popped up and won a Super Bowl, I kind of think of it as if you were a Cubs fan 10 years ago and you're looking at the Florida freaking Marlins have won two World Series. Yes. And yet somehow, you know, a a team like that just can't get it done. This is what fans are waiting for. And I know it's not fair to the current players because they have nothing to do with 1998. But this is the mentality of the longtime Vikings fan. And it was Vikings by a dozen, the line going wow. into Super Bowl four. Was that, uh, was that Len Dawson at the quarterback for the Chiefs? I believe it was, yes. yes. He, he was the MVP the fourth of that game, consecutive actually. winning quarterback to be named uh, MVP. All right, we will get uh, ESPN's Courtney Cronin on next, and I'm going to ask her if it's time for fans to let it go. Let it go. Can you dig up that song? For us, we're uh, not going to play any well. Frozen today. Sorry. Oh, uh, well, I'll sing it, but we're not going to play. Oh, all right, yeah. Well, that'd be great. Uh, so we'll ask Courtney next. Is it time for fans to to believe in this team and let go of the past? Jess Myers, Matthew Collar, in for Mackie and Judd.
Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I just associate it with dummies. Mackey and Judd. They think that they're, you know what, don't stink, and they know everything. On 1500 ESPN. You are my best friend. Off play action. Keenan to the back of the end zone. Diggs comes down with it. Touchdown. Controlled it. Both feet in. Beats Hawkins. And they go 68 yards in five plays. Back here, 1500 ESPN, Matthew Collar, Jess Myers in for Maggie and Judd. Yes, Jess? I love that they go over the, he controlled it, he had both feet oh, down. It's right. great. Like, like yes. that explains what a catch is nowadays, because let's face it, we have no clue what a catch is in the NFL these days. We, we ranted a bit yesterday about the one in Buffalo, and then there was, I saw a video today, and I have to go, just because the internet is the internet, make sure that it's not doctored or overdubbed or something, where... Um, Sean McDermott, the coach of the Bills, is asking the referee, how is that not a catch? And the referee goes, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're literally making it up as they I go. Mean, that, right? that, that, that's and I'm still feels. peeved about the Thielen catch in Carolina, where he comes down with his knee and his elbow and control of the ball, then rolls out of bounds and juggles it. I think that should be a catch and well. And they declare no catch. Now, if he comes down with it in complete control out of bounds, it's no catch. But why is losing control out of bounds cost you a touchdown I, mean, I, you know. I think if you carry it all the way to the ground like even if you bobble it if you carry it all the way to the ground if you're down inbounds and then carry it to the ground and in this conversation makes me want to just run into a wall face first sure. it, it, it yeah. just drives me insane. i'm sorry i brought this up no the, the, the whole conversation i mean we've been having it for a decade here the, the league cannot figure out how to get a catch right anyway espn's courtney cronin on with us now uh courtney what's a catch uh, what? And we only have until <laughs> one o'clock, so just letting you know. Uh, go ahead. Man, wow. I mean, yeah, I was just listening to your argument there. I think that, you know, in a year where the NFL kind of loosened up and, and got some things right with, you know, the touchdown celebration and all that, they really screwed up the catch thing because it's so subjective now. Uh, to where, you know, I know that it's been said, um, you know, in the off season that it's going to be evaluated and rightfully so, because it's so, I mean, it's so convoluted and there's so many circumstances here. And I think obviously the suspensions um, should be something else that go into consideration in the off season, actually sticking to original suspensions, but another point. Um, I, I, I agree. I think it's just, you know, the catch rule is kind of, turned a lot of really good moments into some dampers this season because of just the subjectiveness of the referee crew and uh, things like that. And I think what drives you crazy is you know that if it was the Patriots with that same catch that it would have been a touchdown. And like you said with the suspension, Rob Gronkowski pulls a WWE move and he gets one game. Uh, but anyway, yeah. moving, moving beyond that, though, uh, Jess and I were talking about uh, the fan mentality here in Minnesota, as uh, you having moved here this year and me last year, we are discovering that uh, the fans are pretty nervous when their team is good, Courtney. Do you think that uh, fans, that it's fair for them to expect the worst come playoff time, or should they be buying into this team and believe it's going to be different? Well, from like a realistic and, you know, a rational standpoint, of course they should be buying into this team. Um, you know, the Vikings are, I was just working on a collection of the greatest moments from this season, and it's all statement wins uh, that have led to this point. We take a look at the Chicago win, a you know, pivotal road win for Case Keenum's thrown into the fire, their first of six road wins, uh, the win against the Rams where they, I think, became a national 
Super Bowl contender that game where you li- limit the league's best offense, most high-scoring offense, to, you know, a touchdown. And then the, you know, the win against Detroit where you all but lock up the division and put a clamp finally on one of your toughest rivals. The team checked every single box that's needed to, but I can understand with this fan base that's had so many years of heartbreak and so many years of just calamity, um, you know, special teams, blunders in the playoffs, things like that, that they don't want to go in completely. And I think I talked with Mackie and Judd about this, you know, before. I mean, as a Cubs fan growing up, you never wanted to give in. I mean, I was there game five of the World Series in 2016, and you still thought, man, there's no chance they're going to come back. There's no chance. And I think that you can relate a lot of that to this fan base, too, because they've been to the Super Bowl, and they've lost every meeting that they've had. And so I think that that's where that comes from. But certainly, given the given how well this team has done this year, you, you should be buying into this. I mean, enjoy it while it's here, because as, as we all know, I mean, there's a lot of turnover in the NFL, and, you know, for good reasons with the Vikings, that certain people, cough, cough, Pat Shermer, might be, you know, moving on to something bigger and better next year as a head coach because he's done so well this year with Vikings offense. I love your Game 5 anecdote, uh, Courtney, about, you know, being a Cubs fan, and you understand some of this. True true quick story, Vikings-Saints, NFC Championship game, 2009. Vikings get a first down on, like, the 37-yard line, whatever it is. My mm-hmm. wa- You know, 30 seconds left in the game, my wife turns to me and says, can they hit a field goal from here? I said, yeah, absolutely. She said, oh, my God, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And I said, no, they're not. Just watch. <laughs> and, I mean, this is the mentality of longtime Vikings fans. You're just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. Now, what's funny is in the last week or so, I've seen more and more friends of mine who are, are Vikings fans say, okay, now I'm on board. Now I believe, you know, I, I've I've held off for a long time. Now I'm going to let it play out. I, I, they've sucked me in once again. And, you know, they're not only saying I've, I'm on the bandwagon again, but I'm also fully prepared to be kicked in the teeth one more time. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's what you get with these fan bases that have experienced so much heartbreak. I mean, I'm sure the Red Sox fans were like that for – so many years after the Bill Buckner incident and, you know, look what winning did. It it obviously creates bandwagoners and it it creates more national hype on your team. And I think that with the way that the Vikings have played so far, where they've been in control in so many of these wins, um, except for, you know, a few ones that came down to the fourth quarter, the Detroit ones, the one that sticks out to me the most, where there hasn't been that level of panic just yet on the field. Of course, it's stuff, you know, off the field, every injury, um, you know, I think drums up memories for this fan base. I mean, you see with Nick Easton going down uh, with a broken ankle on Saturday, I think there was a lot of rush to think, oh, my gosh, this is, this is last year again. Because of, But it's really not. I mean, there was all of those injuries at the, on the offensive line were just, you know, a wave. And this year it's kind of been spread out, which has been a good thing because they've been able to play the contain game there. So I just think it's natural that people want to draw comparisons to some of the, you know, really awry moments from the previous seasons. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not that way this year. I mean, for once, enjoy it because it doesn't look like the picture of the past. So we were talking with uh, your cohort, Kevin Seifert, yesterday about the team that the Vikings would least want to face at some point in the playoffs. For you, who's the team that they would want to match up of all the teams that's going to, that are going to make the playoffs, where you would say, yeah, if the Vikings face Team X, then I think they're going deep. 
Well, I, it's probably an unpopular opinion. I think that they want to face the Panthers again. They were in that game, and as we said, it was a catch rule that, you know, before halftime, um, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to say about that, whether that would have changed the, changed the outlook of the game, I think it would have. Um, and I think that that game just came down to so many mental errors, you know, guys missing gap assignments, um, you know, uh, with, you know, it almost kind of felt like a hangover from that really big win that they had, you know, like holding, you know, leading best third, third down uh, offense to, you know, one to 10. So I think that that now they've, they've got Carolina figured out. It took them about till a third quarter in order to do it in, uh, you know, in Carolina, you know, week, whatever that was 13. But, you know, for me, I think that that's their opponent where you know, they've got Cam Newton's not very difficult to figure out. Once you've seen him, I mean, yes, he's dynamic. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but I think that they have him figured out defensively. Um, I guess, you know, answering the team that I would, I think that they would want, they would not want to face is the Saints. I mean, it's a completely different Saints team than they had here in week one. And I don't want to pick against, I would not want to bet against Drew Brees in the playoffs. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that, Courtney, because uh, I think it, from watching a lot of Vikings this year, the Carolina game was the one game that kind of scared me just for the simple fact that it was such a flashback to last year with the quarterback running for his life on every play. And, you know, credit the Panthers for coming up with a great pass rushing scheme that had, I thought, Keenum, you know, ducking under tackles and flustered a lot. So that worried me, and you'd have to find a way to counteract that. I got to say, the one team I think the Vikings would love to play in the playoffs, and it would be a road game if it happens, uh, is the Eagles. Having watched that Raiders yeah. game the other night, I um, think that everybody thinks that after yep. after Sunday's after excuse me Monday's game because I mean you but but I don't think that's the Eagles team. I mean yeah, you have Nick Foles who you know you're not going to be facing Carson Wentz, so it's different than your original outlook of this team. Um, the scary, the, the the hard thing to fathom about that, and I agree with you. If I had to, like, I was thinking more, you know, first round. Excuse me, what would be, you know, their divisional, um, you know, in the divisional round, you know, if they can, depending upon, you know, where, you know, if it's next week, obviously it looks like they're going to be going towards a first round bye. Uh, but if we're talking NFC Championship, and if they're on the road, I do think that they can get it done against the Eagles because we just we saw how poorly, and I mean, just ball security, little things, um, you know, the 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 sack and the loose ball, uh, just all these. Just crazy moments in that game on Monday night where I think that the Vikings could 100% take advantage of that, and they do have the advantage of quarterback there with Case Keenum. I do think that Case Keenum is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. No, yeah. I, t- I tweeted something to that effect, and I had some Eagles fans chiming in saying, oh yeah, give us Case Keenum on the road in the playoffs. You know, So there, there's a lot of the NFL populace that doesn't believe in Case Keenum quite yet either. Uh, I, I think that when they look at each other, they kind of uh, it's like looking in the mirror a little bit um, with those two quarterbacks where Nick Foles a few years ago, what was it, 2013, where he had the 29 interception or 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. That's kind of the type of year that uh, Case Keenum is, is having now. But but I would agree with you that the supporting cast on the offense, especially wide receivers, uh, are probably helping Keenum more than Foles is getting help. Um, Courtney, mm-hmm. uh, before I let you go, are you buying Mitch Trubisky stock? Uh, maybe in a year. I mean, well, no, fine. It's like Bitcoin. You want to get in early. <laughs> so, yeah, if, I, if I'd have to buy second half Mitch Trubisky stock. I mean, obviously after he took over there in week five, but I'd probably buy him week eight on. Maybe that's kind of the second half for them. Um, 
I think that he's got a lot of potential. And this offense, you know, assuming John Fox uh, is no longer there and it's pretty inevitable, that feels the case right now going forward. If they, if they could land someone like a Pat Shermer as their head coach for the future, I think you have the perfect recipe to craft Mitch Trubisky into a pro bowler. I think that he has the skill set. He needs the pieces around him. That's been the... I think that's been the Achilles heel for the Bears for so long. They've never been able to get it all right at one time. Um, and, you know, there's a reason he was drafted as high as he was, despite not playing all that much until, you know, pretty late in his career in college. Um, you know, he's, he, he is the prototype of quarterback in the NFL, I think, going forward, um, where give him time. So, yeah, I'll buy his stock now. I better be getting a pretty fair market value on this. Um, and, and I would like to say come 2019, you'd see some return in your investment there. Are you uh, are you pro or anti-Bitcoin? I know that's been a big debate in the Vikings locker room. Yeah, it has been. I don't know enough about it, to be quite honest. We had this discussion at Christmas dinner, and I kind of just, you know, I was kind of going in and out. I was trying to make sure that I had, you know, everything else I needed on my plate instead of talking about Bitcoin at Christmas dinner. But it's interesting to hear some of the arguments uh, or hear some of the conversation about it in the Vikings locker room. I just need to, I guess I need to, I got on the train too late, so I don't want to be a bandwagoner here and I, mean, I don't know if I could afford to be a bandwagoner to buy in on the Bitcoin price right now. Yeah, I was going to say I don't I don't know if the journalist salary is quite what the NFL uh, salary is. Courtney, thanks for popping on. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Courtney Cronin there, Matthew Collar, Jess Myers in for Mackie and Judd. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back get more of your thoughts on the Viking fan mentality about this year. Now, Courtney says, "What are you worried about? She was a Cubs fan and she saw the Cubs win. <laughs> Nothing to worry about here." Uh, I'd like to know if people think that this is the year where all of that goes away and whether that matters as you go into the postseason. So feel free to give us a call. 651-646-8255. We'll be back. 1500 ESPN. Mackie and John are back. Show me what you got. On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN. Visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul and Wells Fargo. Invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoor artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul, Rice Park. Seven days a week, it is open and in the heart of the city. Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. And if you show up at the right time, you get to see the Toronto Maple Leafs there. How, I heard how, about, how about that. that story? They, the, the Maple Leafs, this mini rink in downtown St. Paul, they decided to do like a three-on-three scrimmage mm. out there the, uh, a couple weeks ago when they were in town. Fantastic. That's awesome. Hockey's great with that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they do a great job of reaching out to the community. And, and we've got the Winter Classic coming up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, shockingly, somehow it involves a New York team again. I, how did that happen? But uh, Not a Chicago team, though. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or the Pitts- Penguins. Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. There's there's like seven teams that qualify for the Winter Classic every year. Was and, there a winter game here at all? Has there been one? There was a stadium series game here, I want to say, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wild played the uh, Blackhawks. Again, course, another course, one. Yes. You know, that that was fun, too, interviewing Blackhawks players about, you know, what's it like for you to play outside? And it's like, well, we do it about every three weeks, so it's not, <laughs> right. a, not a big deal for us. Uh, they played at TCF Bank Stadium. They got, you know, 50,000 fans. It was a, it was a fun experience. Uh, weird atmosphere surrounding it, though, because they had just fired Mike Yo. So right, it, right. Was, it was the first game with a new coach behind oh, the bench. Now I remember that. Yeah, yeah. They had the great jackets, right? Yeah. The, 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 they kind of had the script across the chest. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was no, good. They 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 have fun with this. But ten years now we've had the Winter Classic. The first one you probably remember was in Buffalo, the uh-huh. uh, the Penguins and the Sabres. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sidney Crosby scoring the game winning goal. In a shootout, yeah. Well, I can relate quite a bit to the fan mentality here. I understand it because when just going through uh when I was growing up, my first sports memory ever is wide right, is uh Scott Norwood missing the field yeah. goal to lose the Super Bowl. And then from there, it was just one disappointment after the next. And it was, you know, uh, Jim Kelly getting hurt in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, then play. I think he played one of the Super Bowls with a concussion, he later admitted. And Dallas beats them twice. And Dallas at that time is the least likable team in the history of pro sports. Oh, yeah. Right? Just with oh. Jimmy Johnson and Michael Irvin is a scumbag. Did they have and, the know, independent models awful. on the sideline for that game? <laughs> Do we know? Yeah. You, you, you talk about a, an unlikable group of people. I, I will admit this. The one time in my life I kind of hoped the Packers won a game was when they played the, the that Cowboys team uh-huh. in the NFC Championship. That was kind of the start of the Favre run, kind of the... Packers announcing that, hey, we're going to be a, a powerhouse here in the 90s. Um, you know, just rare because it was like, somebody else, please, let's get rid of this, you know, this Cowboys thing because there was so much arrogance and just so many unlikable guys on that on that team, yeah. Now, the um, 99 was when I was a little bit older and could understand sports better. So I was in my teens at that point, and that's when Music City Miracle happened. And I thought for a minute there was a, there was a flicker that we could see a very – same situation as the Bills had in 1999 here this year, where uh, the backup quarterback takes over, magical run, makes it to the playoffs, and or makes it into the playoffs, and they sit week 17. They sat Doug Flutie week 17. The backup, Rob Johnson, came in, who was originally the starter, and had an amazing game, and then they started him in the playoff game, and he led a game-winning drive that then resulted in the Music City Miracle. So I thought there was a minute there where I thought, Okay, Case Keenum plays the whole season. Everybody's on on his back. Everybody likes him. And then Bridgewater plays Week 17 in a meaningless game, and then all of a sudden he starts the playoff game. But history's not going to repeat itself. The Vikings will have to play their starters in this game to earn the uh, the first round bye and, and then a home game. Well, so and I was thinking about this game too. You know, being that the Bears are in town, what a what a kind of a bookend for Keenum mm-hmm. because the game in Chicago was kind of the I would say a turning point in this season for this team. At halftime, you're up 3-2. to two. Sam Bradford is ineffective, and frankly, he looked terrified in that mm-hmm. first half. I mean, he was you know, taking a sack when didn't, he didn't need to. Anytime there was pressure, and it was like, okay, something's got to change. The team was 2-2. Two and two. They had just lost Dalvin Cook. I mean, uh, uh, that was a true turning point. They bring in Keenum. He leads them to a win and then rattles off, you know, how many wins in a row, you know, and that was really a point where the season could have gone one way or another. Oh, I agree. And I also thought what you saw there was why Case Keenum has succeeded. In that game, you saw it, that he doesn't have an ego about this, that he was put back on the bench for Sam Bradford to come back, and then he's in the game just all of a sudden, but totally prepared you saw in that game, Pat Shermer made an adjustment to how they were playing uh, because the Bears were dropping everybody back, so they just took the underneath stuff. He went 17 for 21 and got like just over 100 yards or something. It wasn't like a big throwing performance, but they were able to move the ball, move the ball, and then they come up with a big play from one of their playmakers in Jarek McKinnon with the 58-yard touchdown run. And, of course, Harrison Smith with the key interception. That game is just how the Vikings have won 
all season long. It's kind of the evidence of why Case Keenum has been successful. But I, I, I have seen the flicker of the conversation about even Sam Bradford coming back to be the quarterback. Oh, goodness. Which did make me think about something interesting. We can bring that up next uh, about if Sam Bradford had been the quarterback of this team all year long, how would things be different? Let's uh, discuss that a bit. Jess Myers, Matthew Collar, in for Mackie and Judd.